This is The Drive Podcast with Josh Graham. Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? Check out The Drive weekday afternoons at 3 on WSJS Sports. What? What? This is wrong. You shut up! You're on The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. glad to have you on a Thursday drive where I want to go back to July for a second specifically to day one of Panthers training camp in Spartanburg where on the show I made a pack that afternoon you might remember this that pack was not to make any sweeping judgments about Sam Darnold until October until we watched him play at least four games well we've arrived at that like Joe Brady who refused to break down tape of his Jets days after bringing Darnold in. I, I didn't want those three years with him playing in a trash heap to influence my opinion. Through these four games that we've seen, by all accounts, Darnold has exceeded every expectation with the Carolina Panthers. You don't really need the stats to tell you that. The eye test, I think, could do the trick. But if you were to look at the numbers, they are staggering. With New York, in his three seasons there, he was at 59% completion, under 60%. He only had 10 rushing touchdowns in those three seasons. He was horrific in terms of passing yards. To put that in its proper context, last year, for example, 24 quarterbacks in the National Football League attempted at least 350 attempts. 350 passes, 24 quarterbacks. Darnold ranked 23rd out of those 24 quarterbacks in yards per attempt. The only quarterback that was worse was Carson Wentz. Juxtapose that with the first four games of this season, where Darnold is 6th in the NFL in passing yards. The only quarterbacks that are in front of them, pretty good. Derek Carr... Pat Mahomes, Matt Stafford, Kyler Murray, Tom Brady. Then you got Sam Darnold right there. I mentioned he was under 60% across three seasons through the first four games. He's at 68% completion with Carolina. He leads the National Football League in rushing touchdowns with five. But don't just take it from me. In terms of expectations exceeded, I'm looking at a Twitter poll I put out there earlier today that you can vote on, at Josh Graham Radio, at WSJS Sports as well. You can find it. And I just asked the question, through four games, what's been your first impression of Darnold? Exceeded expectations about what you expected or underwhelming? 74% of that poll said exceeded expectations. This was Matt Rule saying as much the other day. But I think, you know, through the first four games... Um, Sam has has uh, certainly further ahead of you know where I would think a, a guy in the first year in the system would be, um, but there's a lot of football left, so we'll we'll uh, we'll just keep coaching him, and, and I'm sure he'll continue to have the same process because as you've heard me say, he's a guy that he's you know first in, last to leave. He's got he's got the right approach. But with quarterback, I think we all kind of understand it. It's not just statistics that matter. It's not even just what your wins loss record though is, even though. There is one position that has a wins-loss record attached to their name. I don't think we do that with running backs, linebackers, DNs, left tackles, regardless of how good they are. 
Quarterbacks are given a different responsibility. After every game, they have to answer questions, win or lose. They are given a lot of the credit when the team wins, a lot of the blame when they lose, right or wrong. And what stood out to me over the last month, watching him play in these four games, the way that he handles himself, I really respect it. It would have been the easiest thing for Darnold to play into the drama, play into the story going into week one against his former team. To say, I want to exact revenge. I want to beat them. I want them to be proven wrong. They should not have gotten rid of me and make it a bad blood type deal. Sam never did that. Instead, he talked about how good of a time he had in New York, even though they didn't win. And the organization is a dumpster fire, as we all know. It would be so easy for him to pile on New York, and he hasn't done that at all. He handled himself with class. He also has overcome things, such as the Houston game two weeks ago today. Christian McCaffrey goes down in the first half. You get stuffed on a fourth and one. It's a close game. You're facing a lot of pressure as the O-line hasn't been very good for Carolina. Yet he just continued to make plays and put Carolina in good spots and play a lot like the quarterback who was really good in weeks one and two. Was very consistent. You knew what you were going to get from Sam. Even when he's not sharp, he finds a way to help the team. He wasn't very good Sunday against Dallas. Threw two interceptions in the game. But he did throw for two touchdowns. And he ran for two touchdowns. And he threw for 300 yards. And he was over 65% completion. He did his part. And then he answered questions as if he was the reason why Carolina lost after the game. Taking responsibility as great leaders do. I respect the way that Darnold handles himself. It's why I believe, coupled with the stats and how he's exceeded expectations on the field, Carolina's found their franchise guy. They've found a franchise quarterback. Does that mean he's going to be a top-five quarterback in the league? Probably not. But is this a guy who could develop into someone good enough to win a Super Bowl? I think so. 24 years old, and when you watch him play, even when Carolina is playing well, and he's playing well, you could still see there's another untapped level to his game we haven't seen yet. An untapped ceiling that's there. It's pretty clear that his best years are still in front of him, even though we've already seen three-plus years of him on an NFL sideline and on the field. Scott Fitterer, man, he should be in the executive of the year conversation for bringing in Darnold and Hassan Reddick and Stephon Gilmore. I really, really like what I've seen from Darnold through the first four games. You are listening to The Drive with Josh Graham. That's me. However and wherever you're listening, really do appreciate that. You can chime in on Twitter at WSJS Sports 336-777-1600 is the phone number. Tonight on WSJS Sports, we've got Thursday night football action with the Seahawks hosting the Rams. And to me, this seems like a very important game to Seattle. Because slowly but surely, the pressure's starting to amp up over there. Or at least that's the sense that I get. If they lose tonight, Robert, 
They're two games back of the Rams in the NFC West. They'd be worst in the NFC West by a half game at two and three. And they could be three games back of the Cardinals if Arizona takes care of business this weekend. Remains the only unbeaten team in football. That's a problem when you consider where things stood with Russell Wilson just six or seven months ago. You remember this? It was right after the Super Bowl. Russell Wilson was doing TV stuff with CBS. He was at the game. He watched Tom Brady win a Super Bowl and saw how Tampa Bay completely sold out to try and win that title, to try and put Brady in the best position possible in order to win. And pretty clearly, Russ was jealous of that. Why doesn't my organization have that level of confidence in me? Why don't we sell out that type of way? If they lose this game, I get he likes this coordinator and he had a say in who was going to call plays for Seattle moving forward. And Seattle did make an effort to try and bolster some of the weapons there. But this is a results-driven business. And if they lose, I feel some of that unhappiness, some of that resentment from the offseason is going to begin to fester. He literally named teams he'd prefer playing for over the Seattle Seahawks, including Chicago, Vegas, and I think the Dallas Cowboys were involved in that. You don't think that's going to come back if they lose to the Rams? Another team? It'd be easy for Russ to get frustrated about seeing how they've sold out, bringing in Stafford, being so aggressive. Draft picks be damn we're trying to win right now. That's exactly what a 31, 32-year-old quarterback, who we know is a top-five quarterback in the sport, would want. That's what he would want. And he's felt he hasn't gotten that. Was the sense I... It was, it's not the sense I got. It's exactly what he said when he was on with Dan Patrick this offseason, airing out some of those grievances. Then it's easy to look at some of the whiffs that your front office has made and continue holding those resentments. The Jamal Adams trade does not look good right now. Not because Jamal Adams has suddenly become a bad football player. That's not what I'm saying. But you gave up so much to bring this dude in. And one of the strengths of having Jamal Adams on your defense, he flies into the backfield penetration-wise. And he gets a ton of TFLs, racks them up. And he only has one through the first four games. It doesn't mean he can't fix that and that Seattle can't figure things out defensively, but they have a lot of problems on that side of the ball, and it's hard to fix those issues when you shelled out draft picks to bring in somebody of Jamal Adams' caliber. I think the Rams are going to win tonight. Every primetime game has been great, and I think this primetime game is not going to be an exception. I think it'll be a close game, considering a lot's on the line for Seattle. you got two great quarterbacks, the division game. The Rams are going on the road. I'll take the Rams by a field goal here. But, Robert, I'm making a prediction now. If my prediction comes true that the Rams win tonight, I think we're going to start seeing some of that Russell Wilson drama start to come back. It might be a media creation, but I think that's going to be a big part of the story tomorrow if Seattle starts 2-3. and three.
that might be it would have to be a media creation because I don't think Russ is the type of dude to add a distraction in the in the beginning of the season. But I also think it's a little overreaction if they lose to the Rams that that it would cause or they would be thrown back in the race because they played one division game up until mm-hmm. tonight. They beat the 49ers. And I, the the next few games for them are, are cakewalks. I mean, they've got the Steelers. they got the Jaguars. They've got uh, the Cardinals. No, not the Cardinals. Uh, the Saints. Like, I, I don't think that they're going to have – like, they're going to have time to get right. And then after this, they don't play another divisional game till November 21st. Oh, and to be clear – I'm not saying it's going to be some nuclear problem. I'm saying if they lose tonight you just and they're say there's two something's and three, be said about it. something, it's building. The pressure is building, and it's going to be a part of the conversation that you start seeing. It's not what I'm saying now. It's not part of the conversation right now. If, I'm saying if, if they lose wanted, tonight, it's going to become part of the conversation. Okay. If, if Russell wanted to get upset about that or to point to – they're doing the exact same thing that the Rams and other teams that go, quote, all out have done. They're trading away their first-round draft picks to bring talent in just because they their secondary hasn't looked great. And on Jamal Adams, I, I didn't have this earlier, but they faced two of the best running teams in football, mm-hmm. in the Titans and the 49ers. Vikings I, are pretty good, too. I mean, the Vikings aren't bad. So, like, to say that he doesn't have a tackle for loss on one of those running backs, like, sure. I would buy that. But see how many tackle for losses he has after they play the Jags, after they play Washington. Like, it's just still a long schedule and a small It's a data point. Size. 17-game season. It's good to always remind people of that. Um, but the first, fourth data point, probably suboptimal when you're playing in a division that's as good as the NFC West is. I got one word for him and one word only. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. The voice of the Carolina Panthers, Mick Vixen's now with us. And Mick, I wanted to have you on today because I remember the day Scott Fitterer had his opening press conference. You came on this show and you said... I remember it almost verbatim. You said that the old era is over for how managing transactions is going to go for this organization moving forward. And I think that's pretty clear with what we're seeing, how active Scott is in bringing in players like Stephon Gilmore yesterday, who two years ago was the NFL's Defensive Player of the Year. What's been the most satisfying thing you've seen about Scott's willingness to be active? Probably just that overall change in philosophy, I I would say, Josh. I mean, I was talking to some of my buddies about the Josh for the Stefan Gilmore deal, and they said, you know, what do you think? You know, what do you like it? And I said, man, what's not to like? Uh, you get a, a hometown Rock Hill native long, smart, very smart defensive back at 31, perhaps not at the height of his powers, but yet only two years removed from being defensive player of the year, and you only give up a six in 2023. Uh, I know he's got a quad. I know the Patriots were talking about releasing him, but I think what was happening was some other teams were, were jumping in on this and had not had the Panthers not acted quickly and proactively, um, he, 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 he'd have gone somewhere else. Uh, 
the I'm looking at this defense, Josh, and I think I think that the defense in 2022, this Panther defense, and of course we all want to win now, and maybe Carolina will. But I mean, think about J.C. Horn getting back healthy, Dante Jackson being resigned, uh, C.J. Henderson in the back, Gilmore in the back end. Um, I mean, you get a skull crushing line, another linebacker in here. And, maybe another edge pass rusher, safety help. I don't know. You're not far away from being possibly one of the best defenses we've ever seen here. Yeah, and you're, and that's saying something considering a lot of the defenses Carolina's had. It's going to require some cap maneuvering when you consider, like you said, you got to re-sign Dante. you got to figure out something with Gilmore. you got to figure out something with Hassan Reddick, who's done after this year. But that leads me to it's not just Scott Fitterer with how this organization has designed things. David Tepper said he wanted to have a lot of people play roles with the management process, and part of that is cap. When you see a guy like Sabir Suleiman in the building, who we've seen featured in Panthers Confidential and some of these other things that you guys have put out, what can you tell me about just how much different the front office looks today than it did, say, three years ago? I'm going to try to do that and not sound like I'm running the knife into any former people who used to work here because it, it almost worked. I mean, the Panthers went to the Super Bowl in 2015, played a team in Super Bowl 50 they, they probably should have beaten, could have beaten, and that that's disappointing even today that Carolina didn't close that deal. But it is a new day. This is a day of metrics, analysis, stats, performance psychology, performance enhancement, Nutrition, stretching, diet, recovery, brand new facility being built in Rock Hill, state of the art, springing up out of the ground. It all stems from David Tepper. I mean, I don't think Scott Fitterer would mind me telling you, Josh, that when he interviewed with David Tepper to begin the process, he hung up from a phone interview and told his wife, well, that's not going to be, I'm not going to hear from them again. Fitterer didn't think it went that well, but David Tepper saw something in Scott Fitterer and day or two later called him and said, when can you be on a plane and come out here? We want to talk more. And I think that's so cool how, how David Tepper is, is, is hiring people that can be aggressive, that have the creative intelligence. And then he's telling them, do, do your job, you know, just make it happen. Let's go. Let's win. Mick Mixon's with us here, voice of the Panthers right here on WSGS sports. As you and I are chatting, I see that Christian McCaffrey is speaking to the media right now after today's practice. A few quotes I'm seeing come along the Twitterverse right now is that McCaffrey, according to him, feels great and says there's definitely a chance he could play Sunday against Philadelphia. Have you had a chance to see McCaffrey at practice this week? Do you know what he's doing? No, but he was over at the crib the other night uh, grilling out with his uh, supermodel uh, sidekick and then my supermodel <laughs> wife. No, I'm just kidding. I just want to see if you're paying attention. Um, I haven't talked to CMC. I tried to interview him before the game where he got hurt, and he said it was the Wednesday after practice, and he's great. But, you know, he said, Mick, I got a, I got a lift, and I got the sun's in my eyes, and my dog washed my homework, ate my homework assignment, and, and I got a guy, and I can't do it. But I'll do it next week. So I'm on his schedule, but then he gets hurt. And I think what I think it's all fake. He's just ducking my interview request. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, I asked this question today. Back on the first day of training camp, if we're going to continue to chart things that were said 
on this show between you and me in the past. I said I was not going to make a sweeping judgment about Sam Darnold until I at least saw him play a month. I need to see at least four games before I make any type of assessment about what he is or what he isn't. I think we heard it from Matt Rule earlier, earlier this week that he's exceeded expectations. I think by all accounts, he's exceeded expectations in the first four games of Carolina. In what area has Sam most exceeded your expectations? <laughs> Uh, these little word word games, you know, it's well. He's exceeded expectations. That's like saying a team team has all eleven starters coming back. Well, what was great, but what was their record last year? In in Darnold's case, what were the expectations? And I only bring that up, Josh, because I think the expectations differed widely, depending on who you talk to. I, I'll never forget either reading or maybe you told me about the and we talked about this Bill Polian quote saying that the kid has the interception gene. Yes. And I just and I love Bill Polian, but I just thought that was journalistically irresponsible. I thought that's just not fair. And Bill Polian knows more about football. He's forgotten more than 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 I'll ever know, I'm quite sure, hundred percent sure. But I just think by any I just don't think that was right. I think let's let's let it play out. Like you said. Give this kid a little better O-line. Get him in a system with Joe Brady, Matt Rule. Uh, some, get him some coaching. Get him some weapons around him. And then let's see. I don't think – I know he threw some picks at the, with the Jets, but I don't think it's chronic. And so what has surprised me most, it's been his calmness, his uh, pocket awareness, his ability to uh, slot to throwing lanes, his ability to go through his progressions, and – I don't know if anybody saw this coming. How many rushing touchdowns? Does, does he have five rushing touchdowns right now? Leads the sport. Crazy. It is crazy. Leads the sport, not just by quarterbacks, by the entire National Football League, running backs included. Uh, Mick, last week uh, the Rolling Stones were in town, and I remember I was driving around. I, I heard uh, a little bit of your show that you do on Mondays, and you were asking Matt Rule about what music he listens to, and he says he creates a playlist, a different playlist week to week. Do we have any idea what's on this playlist for Matt Rule? Yes, uh, a little. He has a Christian, it's a mix of Christian music and ZZ Top <laughs> and some Grateful Dead. I mean, it's just all over the place. <laughs> I trust your musical expertise as somebody who's played in a number of bands. I, I don't rely on everybody for this. Hayes Permar, he was giving me grief about something because, as you know, I'm getting married next year, next June. And I told Hayes in confidence what my first dance song was going to be. And he said that uh, it's too slow. That song is too slow. You can't have that be your song. And I don't feel like it is possible for a first dance song to be too slow. So as somebody who's played weddings before and been to a number, I'm sure, what is the criteria for what makes a good first dance song? I'll tell you exactly. But first, what is your song? It is The Luckiest by Ben Folds. Ah, Ben Folds. Pretty cool. Thank okay, you. Okay, so here's the criteria. Number one, uh, the tempo really doesn't matter. You, you, you and your bride, you do you. 
The song is not about other people dancing, so you don't need to go Disco Inferno on your first dance song. <laughs> the song is about you and your, your new bride coming together and doing a little slow drag. You shouldn't be able to get a credit card in between the two of you for this dance. Darren number two, oh, sorry. Number two, uh, you need to be nimble with what the song means. So I bet you that I've sat behind a drum kit and played the song Brown Eyed Girl for the first dance for a dozen different weddings, shaking my head the entire time at how these people could have selected the, one of the saddest songs in music history <laughs> to try to celebrate a happy occasion. I'm wanting to just get the mic and go, y'all do, y- you do know she died, right? <laughs> and we've also played, I remember one wedding we played and they wanted shake, rattle and roll. That's right. And, and that has some of the most sexual, that has some of the most uh, degrading <laughs> lyrics. <laughs> and I'm, I'm thinking, do y'all, I mean, who picked this? <laughs> yeah, shake, rattle, and roll. Get on, get on your knees with pots and pans. I'm a hungry man. It's not great, but Darren Bott just stepped in, and he didn't hear the context of my question. Just started hearing your answer, and the disco inferno, I think, is what got you there. Yeah, I got you. I got you now, uh, Darren. Yeah, sorry, Mick, to to bombard your interview here. Uh, I'm about to come on with Josh in studio for a bit, and. Um, I just can't. I, I'm never going to get out of my head the vision of he and Sarah Bradford dancing to Disco Inferno. I think they should do it now. <laughs> yeah, knowing Josh, I mean, Josh is very good at a lot of things. But my my if my my visual on Josh dancing to a to a fast song is is of someone being tasered. <laughs> That's, that's really well said. Uh, I'll let you go out on a high. George Costanza is out of here. Uh, Mick, have a great call Sunday against the Eagles. Thanks for spending the time, buddy. My, my pleasure. I'm, I'm here for you if you need me. There he goes. Yeah, and that's helpful. See? you know, I learned in our office, Jason Kong, who runs accsports.com and such, he had the luckiest by Ben Folds as his uh, first dance song. See, that, that's, it's not a bad one, though, Josh, because I would imagine he and not many other people that you know are going to answer that, right? Like, it's, I think it's a somewhat popular first dance song, but it's not like you're, you know, like Mick said, Brown Eyed Girl or one of these that a million different couples are going to use. Right. I'm trying to think. Is there another song? Oh, it's when people play... Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA, thinking it's a super patriotic song. Well, so Mick, Mick got me thinking about, I was at a wedding one time, and, and this is bad for so many reasons, but um, they played Lips of an Angel by Hender <laughs> as their first dance. It's really good to hear your voice. <laughs> Which is a karaoke song. Bad song, right? Like who, Awful song. The dude cheats on her. The song is about the guy cheating on her. <laughs> yeah, that is what it's about. <laughs> it's it's not a great song to have at that setting. It doesn't really go well. You know, just because of Hayes, I might get the band to play Disco Inferno. I, I'm wedding. telling you, I think you and Sarah Bradford should do it for the, the legit first dance. I bet you Mick can cut a Just rug. throw... throw... Throw convention aside for uh-huh. me, you know? I bet you Mick knows how to cut a rug. 
yeah, he's he's had his fair share of. I would imagine Mick knows how to do the Jebco White uh, dance from uh, <laughs> the w- wonderful whites of West Virginia, and that's probably it. <laughs> he's like out there just doing tap dancing on like a two by yeah. four, like. Thanks for coming. We uh, play future. He does the same thing. Yeah, same, same thing. dance. <laughs> we've got since we've got Darren in here. Major League Baseball needs to be front and center. The sport has all sorts of issues, but the playoff format is not one of them. We'll discuss that next on the drive. Weird. Weird. A little weird. I know it's weird. Just go with it. This is The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. During this entire commercial break, we're just diving through, Darren Vaught and I, photos of The Rock with the fanny pack, the necklace with the black long sleeve and the jeans, and Steve Jobs who every day wore the black long sleeve and the jeans, trying to figure out who made that look a little bit more iconic. I'm wearing that right now, and Darren, as we speak, because he's a kind person, is posting a picture of what I'm wearing right now, side-by-side with Steve Jobs and The Rock, that you can find on social media, at Darren Vaught, at Josh Graham Radio. So you're rewarded if you're able to find that, Another way we want to reward the audience a bit, Robert's telling me every person that calls to participate in this segment today will be getting a four-pack of tickets to go to the Carolina Classic Fair, which is still going on this week. The segment is Unusual Questions. So if you call in and you have an unusual question that you'd like for us to answer, really just an opportunity, sports or otherwise, for us to address something, you got a four pack of tickets to the Carolina Classic Fairs uh Carolina Classic Fair on the Winston Salem Fairgrounds. 3367771600 if you want to play along. Let's do it. It's unusual question. Last week guys, everybody made it out that I got mad at Josh and I left the press conference. That's not right. I thought it was an unusual question and it's okay. It's time for unusual questions with Josh Graham. You can also tweet us WSJS Sports as well. I'll get us started. Robert, if the sign inside a store or restaurant does not specify, I'll actually direct this to Darren first. How many items is too many items for the self-checkout line? Uh, I mean, they normally have signage. It's like 10 or 20. I've been to places that do not. Or 15 items or less, something like See, that. See, at the CVS, I go to no sign. And I've been to multiple CVSs that have it. Also interesting, They, I've never seen anybody do the self-checkout at the CVS. They'll wait in these long lines. I see it. And I'm acting like, for a moment, there's something I don't know. Maybe it's just not operating or something else. Every single time, it does work. Nobody chooses to use them at the CBS. And I'm in and out of there, in and out of there in like five minutes. I go in, get some hair product, and scan. We're out of there. But how many is too many items if it doesn't specify? I, I mean, it gets. I, it depends on the bulk of it, right? Because I'm thinking of my most frequent self checkout would be like Harris Teeter. 
to get groceries, and there's not enough room because they cram so many of those together. So you just don't like you don't have room if you've got a full cart of things. So I don't know because because you could have like a, a can of beans or of vegetables, but also a massive package of toilet paper or paper towels or whatever. It's tough to draw a line with a number amount. Maybe that's why places don't do that anymore. Let's go to Dar in Kernersville. Dar, what question do you have for us? Yeah, this this has bothered me for years. I'm a horror movie and uh, book fan. And why can't they get the exact science of vampires? I mean, you can kill them like a hundred different ways in one movie, and in the other movie, it doesn't work. What movie do you think does it the worst justice? Like, the one that really bothers you the most, Dar? Um, probably the Twilight series. Because, <laughs> I mean, they're out in the sun and they shine like diamonds. It's supposed to kill them. I mean, Thank right? You, that's exactly right. Thank you for the call, Dar. That's a great question. I, I'm here for dumping on the Twilight series. I don't know, man. Here for it. You team Edward or team... Is it Jacob? Yeah, neither. Because they're trash. I've never watched. Do you know, this is actually I, a sports so tie to the Twilight I read, I read the original book, the first book, because I did. I had to do it for a women in literature course. See, that's a baller move. If you want something to talk about with women, read the Twilight book way back when. I did <laughs> oh, that. I just wanted a good grade. <laughs> I, I did that for, like, I watched Laguna Beach just to have something to talk about. Hey, like, can you believe... That way you watch The Bachelor now? No, I love The Bachelor. I legitimately like it, but I think maybe Laguna Beach was an entry. It was a gateway drug. That's what it was to get to The Bachelor. Um, Sports tie to Twilight, though. I have a very specific moment. I knew I was out. I didn't want to watch any more of this. Somebody had it on. I went in. It was early on in the first movie, the baseball scene. (laughs) That's when I knew I was out. I don't want to watch any more of this movie Can't or this series. Out on it altogether. <laughs> Specifically with vampires, though, Robert, any answer to that question you have for Dar? Like, to, to add some clar- clarity to this situation? Why? Yeah. It's, I have no idea. It varies so much. Does that bother you? I can we see need how uniformity? it bothers somebody, like, in, in the fact of, I need something to bother me. But, like, no, it does not bother me. Well, like, Dar's vampire. going to the fair now, Would you, so I that's mean, good. You just, uh, you know, with each script, each movie, each, it, like you just suspend disbelief yeah. in various ways anyway. So vamp- from one realm to the next, movie to movie, vampires can be different. That's every fine. movie, every movie, that's the case. Yeah. I, I was watching The Departed a few days ago, and I've seen that movie about a dozen times, but for the first time I watched it the other day, and I thought... Why did, Leo Di- vampires. Why did Leo DiCaprio <laughs> take this deal that's requiring him to go to prison? How much wait, are they paying this guy? Wait, the whole premise, why? <laughs> yeah, why? Because, and the easy answer to the question is, because if he didn't, it'd be a really bad movie. Right. Just like The Town. There's the scene where he's, oh, you know that Jeremy Renner's character's going to have another opportunity at it he wants he can't resist another bank job why does he why can't he just be happy well just be a really bad movie (laughs) yeah that's that's (laughs) kind of what it is uh 
336-777-1600 if you want to play along. Robert, give me an unusual question. Uh, I saw this one on TikTok, and I thought this was pretty good. So the guy said, would you rather be able to add uh, plus three, minus three to any spread or uh, take back one out of every five of your bets? Wow. I think you got to take back one of every take five. back a hundred because you already have some options to tease things. If you're going like so, like if you go with pickmakers, they're fifty five percent right. Anything over fifty five percent is good. So if you get to take one of those out, that's like sixty eight percent on your total bets of all time. So like, and if you had sixty eight percent, you're gonna make. I know that doesn't sound like a large jump, like fifty five to sixty eight, but thirteen percent of your bets is a lot of money. Like I understand, and the bets that you would make anyway by saying plus three, minus three, like you would probably hit those bets that you were gonna hit anyway, whether they you added the three or took the three away. So I would, I agree, I would go the take one of, of your five bets away. Plus, I'm glad you could make a ridiculous bet and be like, that's one, that's my one, that's bet. my one. That, yeah. that 25k I, bet, I'm taking that back. I love the idea of just being able to be like, nope, never mind. I'm glad you spelled it out that way because I've had people give me grief before. Oh, you only hit on 55% of your picks? Anybody who does the actual gambling stuff for a living would say that's really damn good. One year we were at 60%, and yet you still have the people just grieving you for being wrong or just giving you grief. I, you know, we're over 50% and we've got best bets in about an hour. Intern Nick, what's your unusual question? Avocados, are they a fruit or a vegetable? Thank you to Robert's shirt for giving me that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got his... What is that? The Kinston avocados? Yeah, they were the uh, luchadors or the something other. I, don't know, I can't read it. So. But the logo was an yeah, avocado. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Not a big avocado guy. Boo. Boo. No? But what, how would you answer the question, Nick? I don't know. I mean, I know you're obvious vegetables and fruit, but then people are like, oh, if it's not sweet, then it's not a fruit. So avocados aren't a fruit or lemons or whatever. So I don't know. I guess because it has a seed, it's a fruit. So I will just go by the definition. of it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too, because like people try to mix the tomatoes. They're like, exactly, oh, tomatoes yeah. are a vegetable, but like technically they're not because they, they are seed. They have seeds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's a fruit. But, I mean, an avocado has, like, a big seed, but it's a pit. I mean, with peaches, peaches are fruits. They have pits. So I would, Plum, I would agree yeah, say yeah. that it's a fruit. Darren, what's your unusual question today? I think definitively it's a – yeah, that's that's the way to answer that. It's a fruit. Anyways, um, what's your FYP? Like, this, I just came up with this one as a follow-up to Robert because he was talking about TikTok, and I'm recently on there. I don't post anything, but I just, like, scroll yeah, through it. So I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm in the process of like trying to cultivate the algorithm to, to things that I'm interested in. It's and tough. Man, that's a process. It's weird when you first get on there. Don't it's watch weird. any videos that are like anything that you're like strangely interested in. Like, oh, I'm going to stay and watch this. And then, <laughs> oh, it just turns out to be another kid dancing. Dang it. Oh, they, they, you watch 15 seconds of that kid dancing. Now I think you like it. And it's going to keep showing it to you. But I, yeah. I think the easiest way is as soon as you see something you like, like with baseball or like I, I have a bunch of like comedy people or like songwriters or like just a bunch of different stuff. Whenever you see something you like, you just follow it and interact with it. And then that gets added to your algorithm. See, and I've it can been pump way, up your FYP. I get, I get way into the musical side of TikTok. And like, I'm convinced, man, if I was a musician, I'd be all about TikTok. You I'm still to, wary on it, but like. 
it's uh it's an interesting place. I am not on TikTok because I'm terrified of what you're talking about right now and how I know it's going to manipulate my brain and my time. Darren, you need to follow. Uh, it's a Spotify podcast that breaks down music, but it's called Dissect. Yeah, and we've the, okay. Yeah, we've talked. Oh, about we did it talk about this with yeah, the yeah. Kanye West album. They yep. had they put out great TikToks. I'm pretty much not notified, but every time I get on, if they put something up, it's like it at the top of my clip. Throws it up there. Okay, Darren, appreciate you being in here, buddy. Yeah, we'll see you guys uh, in Charlotte next next week. We're gonna be going up the road for ACC tip off next week. It's gonna be a great day next Tuesday. Hoops, hoops. Hoops, that's my chant for basketball season. Anyways, I'll get out of here. That's Darren Vaught. He's on Twitter at Darren Vaught. If you want to talk about baseball things with him, you can tweet him there. Has Sam Darnold exceeded expectations through four games? That's next on The Drive. Yeah, he's weird. Yeah, I get it. The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. It's time to hand out some bets. Last week, we came down to earth a little bit in the NFL. I was 10-0 for the first three weeks against the spread. Then we went 2-2 two and two on NFL picks, 1-1 one and one in college. So that's 3-3 three and three in all a week ago. We're still a game above 500 for the season. Hashtag trust the process. It was hard to limit it to six, Robert. I was enticed. To look at Duke plus four and a half against Georgia Tech. If you missed out on the ticket giveaway last segment, we will have another pair of Duke Georgia Tech uh, tickets to give away. 1230 Wallace Wade Stadium tomorrow. Six bets here. Let's get to it. Your attention, please. Please do not turn off your radio. Why? And we start with a college football game tonight. Where Houston is laying six and a half, and I don't think that's enough. They are in New Orleans, facing Tulane. Kind of like with the Saints, Tulane's just gone through a lot this year, and now they've been dealt with a ton of injuries. Robert, you know it's bad when you go to Greenville, America, and you have 50 hang on your head. If that happens, you probably have a lot of problems on defense. Tulane does, and getting some inside intel here, I think those injury problems are going to be more substantial than they're even leading on. Houston scores a ton. They've only lost one game this year. Dana's boys are going to win in a route, lay the six points, and laugh. Put some money on it. Robert, I generally go for the underdogs. This week, four of the six picks are going to be favorites. And I'm looking at a game I'll be attending Saturday in Chapel Hill. North Carolina is laying 17. Make it 17 and a half. No problem here with that. Nope. They beat Duke by 31. And I feel Duke is slightly better than Florida State. Mac Brown is a Florida State alumni yet has never beaten the Seminoles. This is his opportunity. I'm sure that's something that matters a lot to him. If you look at the history of North Carolina, or at least the last few years, when they've done really well, it's when they're unranked, 
It's when they're at home. They're a different team at home than when they're at the, on the road. I think North Carolina is going to run over Florida State, win this game by a ton. Kind of like with Houston tonight, lay the points and laugh with the Tar Heels. 17 and a half seems like a lot. I don't think it's going to seem like a lot when we get halfway through the second quarter. Put some money on it. Last college pick, Texas Tech TCU. I'm going with the home team that's getting points. Now, these teams generally in the Big 12 like to score a ton, but Texas Tech is no longer coached by Cliff Kingsbury, and Gary Patterson has not cut his teeth as an offensive coach, even being in that conference. I think Texas Tech is catching the Horn Frogs at the perfect time. It's a sandwich game for TCU. They played Texas last week, emptied the bucket out, fell short by five. Next week, they play top 10 ranked Oklahoma. So there might be a looking ahead situation, a bit of a letdown after emptying the bucket and not being rewarded a week ago. And you're playing at night at Texas Tech, who is a sneaky four and one right now. Give me the Red Raiders. Sick them. Guns up. All right, sick them is Baylor. Got that wrong. Guns up. That's what we're going with. Red Raiders plus the two and a half. Put some money on it. To the NFL. Robert, this is my favorite bet of the weekend. College or pro, favorite bet. In London town, the Atlanta Falcons are laying three against the Jets. Do we know if Atlanta is a bad team? Like, there are horrifically bad teams in the league. Yes, there are a few. But Atlanta, even the games they've lost, they probably should have won. They beat Washington. They should have beaten Washington last week. They blew the lead at home. There, there are games where they are really competitive. They were within four or five points against Tampa until Tampa scored a touchdown and then got a pick six, and that looked a lot more lopsided than what it, than what it actually was. Atlanta has some experienced guys, guys who are looking to remain in the league for a while, including their quarterback, Matt Ryan, who's still trying to prove he's the guy. And they're facing the Jets with a rookie coach and a rookie quarterback and the third youngest roster in the NFL. You're going to London. I'm going to favor the more experienced team. I think Atlanta's just playing better. And how's this for another thing to keep an eye on? The Jets have 12 players on their injury report. Atlanta only has three. They're just laying three? Give me the Falcons here. I feel like I'm stealing money with this. Atlanta wins this game. Usually these games in London are drunk and not really that exciting anyway. I think this is going to follow that tune, and it's going to be a Falcons win. Put some money on it. I don't know if this affects your thinking or not, but they said Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage are both not going to be playing. Yes. And Ridley, not even going to travel. Yeah, so, it's a personal issue with him. So two out of the three you noted there that were on the injury report, that is some news that came down earlier today. I, I'm still going with Atlanta there, but appreciate you noting that. I forgot to get to that. The Carolina Panthers, on it. they are laying three and a half against the Eagles. Really do have a lot of favorites this week. I don't feel great about that just because of our normal practices here. But the Eagles... They went all out against Kansas City at home, and they made that game competitive. They lost, and now they have to go on the road. Lane Johnson, 
We don't know if he's going to play. Kelsey at center. He's he's missing practices too. It's Carolina after a loss. Carolina's a good football team. Philly isn't. Let's not try to overthink this. Carolina is at home. I don't know why this line is this small. Plus, there's a chance Christian McCaffrey might play in the game. Carolina's going to bounce back and win. Philadelphia, I felt they played about as well as they can against Kansas City on Sunday at home. They're not going to recreate that. It's hard to play well back-to-back weeks, especially when the second leg of that is on the road. So give me the Panthers to win by more than three points. Put some money on it. Last pick. I mentioned that two lanes dealing with a lot in New Orleans. So are the Saints, which is why they lost at home to a Giants team that I don't think is that great. Saints are going on the road. And somehow, Robert, the Washington football team is getting points at home. I love home underdogs. So I will gobble up that two and a half points and trust Ron Rivera, especially when you consider Armstead and the center McCoy are both on the injury report, might not play for New Orleans. The Washington defense hasn't been that good, or at least not as good as we thought they might be. But the offense has been. They've been producing, and they're at home in this game, and they're coming off a really nice win coming from behind in Atlanta. I think there's a chance the Saints just aren't that good, and they're going on the road, and it's hard for bad teams or just not so good teams to win away from their home base. They lost at home to the Giants. Get me Washington getting points in that spot as my final pick of the weekend. Put some money on it. In review, the Cougs laying six and a half at Tulane tonight. North Carolina laying a big number against Florida State. Texas Tech plus the two in the hook against TCU. And then the NFL Falcons minus the points against the Jets in London. Panthers minus three and a half against the Eagles and the Washington football team getting the candy from the New Orleans Saints. Robert, which of those picks do you like the best? Uh, the best? I don't I don't know. I, I don't really listen to them to be like, I'm going to place that, I'm going to place that. Uh, the only ones I have a question with, uh, I we were talking about do we know the Falcons are a bad team. Like, I don't think we know that the Giants are also a bad team. The Jets? The, no, I'm talking about the Giants for your Saints pick. Oh, the Saints pick. So they, gotcha. Because the, you said, uh, oh, they lost to the Giants last week. I, I don't know that the Giants are a bad team. They seem like they're getting started, and it's going to be one of those where Saquon's got to get used to the volume. It's a semi-new system. I agree with you. I, I don't think that we can say, like, the Giants are bad, therefore the Saints might be bad. I agree with you. But that that's one of those games where if you're a good team, you win it at home especially given all the circumstances and the the vibe in the building, all that. It just seemed like you, you were going to get off to a good start, and they did, and you you still lose the game to the Giants, which I didn't mean as a massive slight to the Giants as much as that's a game that when Drew Brees is playing at quarterback and the Saints were the Saints, they, they don't lose that game. And the point, I guess, now is the Saints aren't the Saints anymore. Sure. They they are a little more multiversed, especially when you look at their offense, like with Taysom having two rushing touchdowns but throwing a pick last week. But also the the other point you hit on with Washington's defense, like coming in, everybody was like, yep, I pick Washington to win the NFC East. Yep, <laughs> Chase Washington. Young, Defensive Player of the Year. Yep, Washington. I pick Washington. And now it's like, oh, they're Washington. 
Yeah. They're Washington. They're, I mean, they they do have a lot of players, but they haven't been able to put it together yet. With Logan Thomas going on IR and him being one of the, the safety valves for Heineke, I don't know. The only thing I do know in that game is, uh, God, why did I lose his name? Uh, Ohio State. Terry McLaurin. Oh, he's awesome. The dude is ridiculous. He has not dropped a pass in 192 catchable balls. And he regularly makes catches that are make you go, oh my God, how did he catch that ball? There are people with three arms that could not catch that ball. So those are the best bets. Let's bankrupt a casino this weekend. The Houston Astros are up five to nothing on the Chicago White Sox. Game one of this LDS, bottom of the fourth inning right now, down there at Minute Maid Park. I want to update this poll. We got take it to the house in just a few minutes. Sam Darnold, what's your first impression of him? Has he exceeded expectations? Is he exactly what you thought he might be? Or is he underwhelming? 72% of those voting on the poll say he's exceeded expectations. We heard Matt Rule, who seldom would really play along with those types of conversations. Most coaches probably would not choose to volunteer something like that, but 27% say it's about what they expected, 1% it's underwhelming. Where do you stand on Darnold through four games? Because I did not expect him to be this efficient in terms of completion percentage despite having these great weapons, and obviously the running game. I, I didn't see that element being... I mean, I saw the run against Denver last year, so we knew he had some athleticism. I think he was a two-sport athlete, really good basketball player, and was recruited. But I didn't expect that to be five rushing touchdowns and you're running read option at points. Yeah, Sam Darnold's about to be the deadliest red zone weapon in Panthers history. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's going to die off. I, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. not going to give him any flowers for being able to choose whether to hand it to a running back or, or scamper on himself because they're never designed runs, right? It's always options. Like, yes. oh, he can keep it. He's going to run it in from two yards. Uh, that happens when you're on the two-yard line and you can't punch it in any other way, like hand it to your running back. Uh, I'm done uh, poo-pooing on the Panthers. I think I think he's uh, exceeded expectations as far as how well he's played. Uh, I thought he would be below average. Uh, I thought he would th- make a lot of dumb mistakes or at least a few dumb mistakes. And yeah, really there were did. betting odds, by the way, right before the year that said you could bet on who would throw the most interceptions in the NFL, and he was the odds-on favorite to throw the most picks in the league. I probably would have not gone with Sam Darnold, but I do expect he's going to make a few mistakes. And he really didn't until you, the Dallas game where he, I didn't think any of the throws were too egregious. But, yeah, I would I would put him above expectations. But then again, I, I expected the Panthers to be 2-2, two and two, and they're 3-1. and one. So, like, how much – like what Mick said, like what were the expectations? Like there, there were none. You're kind of – you're throwing this guy in there and thinking, like, well, I kind of hope that he uh, makes us at least competitive. It's a good question that Mick asked. What were the expectations? I don't know that we defined what those were going into the year, and that's probably on us as a show, talking about the Panthers as a dire offseason, that we didn't define it that type of way. But I do know looking like a franchise quarterback in year one of the offense was not what we had slated. And he looks like that. He does look like that at 24. Like if a if a if one of these rookies, if Joe Burrow plays exactly the same way as Darnold has, we're saying, well, that's a franchise guy, that's for sure. And 
they're the same age. In fact, I think Joe Burrow just turned 25. He's older than Sam Darnold is. I, I, I don't know. I look at franchise quarterbacks a little bit different than everybody else does. Just like just because you are a quarterback in the for a franchise does not make you a franchise quarterback. I think Agreed. there are like 12 to 14 franchise quarterbacks in the NFL, guys that can win you a Super Bowl. I don't think Sam Darnold is a guy who can do that. See, but when unless we're talking you, about unless it. Unless you give him this a, a great defense, he would have to have a great defense, have to have a great run game, and some weapons. Like, But there are certain quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes. Like, Does he have to have all of those things to be a franchise quarterback? I don't think so. No, but I think those I, – I agree with you that there are 12 to 14 guys, but those guys are tiered. So there's the top five. And maybe like the top seven, eight, like the MVP caliber guys. I don't think Darnold's but in then the top 14. I agree. He's not that. But I think the top 14, like when you start getting to the 12, 13, 14 range, you're looking at Baker Mayfield. You're looking at Ryan Tannehill. You're looking at those type of guys. And I cannot, do I think Darnold could be that? Jimmy Garoppolo. Those type of guys? Yeah. And those guys are good enough to be the quarterback for a contender. Now, they will need support, as you mentioned. There's only like five or six guys. It doesn't matter who you really put around them. They're still going to find a way to win. But I I think Darnold can be one of the top 12 to 14 guys in the league. I think he can just because he's demonstrated his ability to play pretty well right now, granted, in a small stretch. But it seems like there's a lot more room for growth if you watch him uh, play to play, and he's 24 years old. Yeah, I think the ass end of that franchise quarterback list is Derek Carr. Like, if you are not better than Derek Carr, then you are not a franchise And can he be Derek Carr? That remains to be seen. There's a lot of games to be played. But so I, you're telling I, me there's a chance. I would guess no. He cannot come to that level. But we'll see. There's a lot of games to be played. I would love to be wrong.